is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I just drink wine. Welcome to the wine situation from Sean's home. From my house. Hi, guys. Hi, this is the wine situation where we're like, yo, what's your situation? Yo, what's your situation? With wine. Or like, hey, wine. What's your situation? Yeah, we have not asked... What if someone's name is wine? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, if I ever have children, looking doubtful, <laughs> but, uh... You're like, this is my baby Grenache. Yeah, I think Garnacha sounds like a beautiful woman's name. I do, I think that's Garnacha. beautiful. That's Ellen Clifford over there. She graduated from the Court of Masters. She's a master. Not, not well. I'm not, not a master. I'm a certified. So. I just want to. I'm just like. I'm a master like, of life. I'm like thinking ahead for you with that. I like that. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I'm. A, I'm here for it. But you're a certified sommelier. I'm court. a certified sommelier. And the WSETs. You're in your diploma program. Yes. Yes. And that's Sean Buckholtz, the wine whisperer. Yeah. <laughs> He's the wine whisperer. He helped open Bar Covell. He worked with Greg Condes. He has passed his intro at the Court Masters. I have. He and Wine, their situation is real tight. Real tight. Like, I have Super a hard time. Tight. I feel awkward sometimes when I'm around you and a good glass of wine. I'm like, I don't, did not want to interrupt. Oh, no. Oh, because the Wine and I are having a situation. We're having a thing. A whisper. A whisper. A whisper of sorts. Yeah, when you're whispering to the Wine, that's when I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave the room. Just, you know, let me know when it's okay. Um, Are we doing a hip sip tip this week? Let's do a hip sip tip. What's your hip sip tip? Uh, tip, 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 tip. I mean, I, I'm in the spirit section of the, the diploma, so Ooh. I was sipping on some scotch I actually liked, Glen Morangy. Whoa. It's from the Highlands. I've okay. discovered that I have a thing for Highlands scotch. It tends to be, or at least the ones I've tried are not as smoky, which is what I don't like a lot of, a lot of scotches. Do you like the peatiness? Do not yeah, I get that. So, but I found there's been a couple of Highland ones I like, including Glen Morangy. Someone was nice enough to send me some that was their Nectar Dor, and it was like aged in Sauterne barrels or Damn. finished in Sauterne barrels. So it's it's lovely. Take that. Yeah. What's your hopes for I've been into uh, Cremant from Jura. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it just it tastes like really good champagne that it's. Like, you know. Is it usually Chardonnay Sauvignon? Mm-hmm. But Chardonnay usually. Nice. Um, but yeah, uh, it just tastes like delicious. You get like the breadiness mm. and you get really, really dry, rich flavors. And Do you just have some at Cobell? I'll have some next time I come We've back. had some, um, and that's where I had it. But yeah, we, I think we're out of it right now. But um, yeah, it's just really delicious. And they do, you know, like, obviously rosé, too, but... We had a rosé on the show mm-hmm. when we had Carl Hess, I remember this. That's right. Who well, I saw it today. Oh, nice. Yeah. How's he? He's good. Carl's <laughs> great. I, 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 we've been catching up with... I saw, when I went to pick up today's wine, I saw Charlie and Camille. There we go. And just, you See? know, the guests just keep coming around. They just circle us. You guys, it's really, once you have interacted with the wine situation, it's hard to stay away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we have like a like a black hole effect where we like draw, draw. we like bend gravity. They smell the wine. They smell the wine and they're just like, <laughs> Must wine. come over. Wine zombies. Yes. Um, do you want to intro our guest? Oh yeah, so uh, we're, we're going to Skype them up in a minute, but uh, we will be talking today to Stu the Wine Gurus. Stu Noodle, Noodleman, I believe is mm-hmm. his last name. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Big Nass. He hosts his own show called 
Stu the Wine Guru. He has done all sorts of work in wine, including like being a judge at, at a wine contest, and, and he does a lot of wine writing. He, he's all over the place with wine. His and situation is wide. <laughs> yeah, his situation is wide. And he lives, he's based out of Florida, right? Yes, yeah. he's in Florida, so he was nice enough to... Uh, you know, be like, I'll log on it. He stayed up late so he could drink with us. Uh, up till 8, I guess that's late in Florida. So he's going to be drinking a similar wine, but not the exact one. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll get to we'll all get that. We'll get into that. So, uh, yeah, hang tight. We're going to Skype up our friend. We'll be right back. Bye. Bye. Aha. There's been many times I've started Skypes and uh, realized that I, I tend to usually keep a little piece of paper over my camera because they say you should do that. And, and I'll be like, I, they'll be like, we can't see you. And it turns out it's that. This is perhaps the most technological episode we've ever done. It really is. We've got... <laughs> <laughs> but we know you're there. And in theory, we're cheersing back. You, he tried to cheers us. Yeah. We weren't there cheers for... Cheersing back at you. Yeah. Well, anyway, guys, welcome, welcome Stu, the wine guru, to our program. <laughs> yeah, welcome, Stu. What's your wine situation? You know the name? I want to tell you this. This is the kind of funniest thing. I uh, I talked to a good friend of mine about the idea of being in our 50s, right? And yeah. we're kind of old enough to uh, appreciate social media, but I think we're just a tad behind in using it in the way that the millennials and everybody else use it. So here's the scoop. I knew the term live streaming before. I yeah. mean, I'm very familiar with it. But I said to him as a joke, I said, you know, it sounds like something my urologist would ask me. Like, <laughs> you know, you know, like a live stream. Um, but no, 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 in that direction. In that direction, please. <laughs> please, uh, just, just put it in a cup, please. Oh my That's gosh. Kind of the whole idea behind that technology uh, is with me. But anyway, I digress. Uh, uh, cheers. Well, cheers. Bang. Bing. <laughs> I'm drinking a Dry Creek Vineyard, uh, a 2015 Old Line Zinfandel. We uh, it's really well. It's opened up. What is it? Who makes yours? Because we also have a. Wait, what year do we have? 2015. We also have a 2015 yeah. Dry Creeks, and I don't know if it's sure. old vines. It does not say if it's old vines, but that's okay. The weird thing is that, weird thing is that, is that um, when you put a, a label up to the camera. Everything's reversed. It gets all blurry. Well, we, ours is Mazoko, and it's yummy. Yeah. yeah, this is really good. I'm, I'm, I'm a major fan of Zippendale. So, ask away. <laughs> oh, so we did get questions on Instagram if you want to hear them. I am. Go for it. Let's see. Hold on. Let me. All right. So, this came from Seven Springs Wine. It says, hi, the wine no, situation. No, no. Yes, that's that's what they said. They said, hi, the wine situation. Hope you're well. We know Stu, the wine guru, well, and he is now selling our wines in Florida. Stu was the first person in the USA to review our very first wine, our 2010 Sauvignon Blanc. My question to him would be, what does he remember about that wine? I was on an online show that Stu used to do and was interviewed by him on the show, so we go back together to 2010 when Seven Springs started producing. My name is Tim. Hi, Tim. Hi, Tim. Um, and his wines are sold in the USA under the name Over the Mountain, apparently. And he lives by Stratford-on-Avon, which is a Shakespeare lover. I was like, that's so cool. But what do you remember about his Sauvignon Blanc? Interesting thing is he said it used to be that I had a podcast. They still have a podcast today. I just want to let you know. Then uh, <laughs> his Sauvignon Blanc actually really, really good in that it um, kind of rode the border between, let's say... Uh, South African and 
uh, New Zealand. So it kind of had the, the a, a nice combination of fruit uh, and uh, the you know the, the grassy on the aromas and grassy uh, steely kind of aromas that you normally get from Sauvignon Blanc. So it was it was very very good. It was and I, I you know I was really proud to be the first person in the U.S. to have a chance to try it. And you know simply they've been really really successful as a, uh, a vendor and. Um, and wait, is this is it British wine? I was confused. No, no, here's the scoop. He's from Britain. Okay. He's, he, he, he's actually was in the, like, the dry cleaning business huh. and had dry cleaners in like, Mayfair in London for years. And then he had visited South Africa and fell in love with it so much that he said, okay, you know, I really want to get involved in wine. He was into wine, but, you know, actually from an enthusiastic wine enthusiast part and discovered. And, you know, he wanted to open up a venue there, and the rest is history. And uh, started it eight years ago, eight years ago, yeah. and uh, it's done really well. To the point where now I'm representing it as well. Oh, sweet! Wow, I want to try. I know. I'd love to try some wine. I love some South Africa yeah. wine. He's got. He also has. He also has Sauv, He's got Pinot. He's got Syrah. He's got. Uh, I think he just came out with Rosé. Yes, yeah, so they've really expanded in, in the eight years. Don't think I've ever had South African Rosé. Sparkling? Uh, sparkling, yes. Yeah, you've had sparkling South African rosé. Yeah. Because the effervescence fest. Yeah. A friend had some. Don't think I tasted any flat. No, they didn't have any flat wine there. <laughs> <laughs> or still wine, I should say, not flat. <laughs> flat would be if the effervescence went out of the bubbly. How long have you worked in wine for, Stu? Yeah, tell us your origin story. Yeah, what's your origin story? Okay, well, I will give you the origin story in a nutshell. I was in the music business for many, many years. I used to work for Warner Brothers Publications. Okay. Uh, and knew a little bit about wine, but really my experience was more like Bartles and James. I don't know if you guys are old enough oh, to yeah. remember that. What's Bartles? That sounds familiar. Wine coolers? Oh. Yeah. yeah. You know, just like head down to the beach with a six-pack of wine coolers, you know? There you go. Man, I grew up different. Well, I, I didn't grow up by a beach. <laughs> All we had was the muddy, muddy Mississippi. Yeah. You don't want to get in that. Like you didn't have to go by a beach in order to have to have them. They were just like really popular in like the early to mid 80s. Yeah. Oh, I definitely wasn't drinking in the early to mid 80s. <laughs> that would have, James. That would have been, uh, I'd be a real hip toddler there. <laughs> okay, so, so yeah, so uh, to get forward. Uh, so you, you were into uh, Bar- Bartles and James? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that was, that was my Got soundtracked. I'm in Jackson Stoke. I'm, uh, I just really inked a deal for uh, a very large, large deal for our publishing company, and I, I was out with the client, and I took them out to lunch. About twelve people, and then, you know, we're having I'm like steaks, whatever you guys want to order. Work. What kind and of music I, were you repping? What's that? What kind of music were you repping at the time? Oh no, no. So what, we were the one of the largest music publishers, basically in the world. Like so, if if so, you had a variety. Who's your favorite music act? Uh, Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> okay. So Trent Reznor. So Nine Inch Nails came out, when Nine Inch Nails came out with their album, we would publish it for guitar, drums, bass, flute, you know, whatever instrument <laughs> that anyone wanted to play with for Nine Inch Nails. So that was our job. And then what I would do is sell it. Uh, okay. To music books and sheet music to music retailers and all the types of music accounts, you know, nationwide. So I had counts in California, was out in California, um, had just, like I said, just inked this deal, it was great, it 
take people out for lunch, and they, um, you know, they got the steak, and they said, look, you know, what order the wine? I said, yeah, great, because I don't really know much about it at all. Uh, and they said, uh, okay, so the cab's come, and the, they put this cap down on, on the table, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, okay, doesn't look like a wine cooler, but I'll give it a shot. Uh-huh. And, uh, and take a sip, and I'm completely transfixed. I'm like, okay, what is this? This is nothing like I've ever tasted. And everybody knows Charlie Brown's teacher. Uh-huh. Everybody started talking like Charlie. I, like, I, I wasn't like listening to them. I was uh-huh. just like, okay, I've got to find out what this is. And in my mind, I'm going, okay, like, get on the plane. I'm going to the airport. I'm going to go find some books. I'm going to get some Wine Spectator magazine. I'm going to whatever I can to get my hands on because this is really interesting. I've never tasted anything like it. Yeah. That's what I did. Got back and just dove into reading everything I could. Jesse Robinson, Kevin Draley, everybody. Everybody I could read. And uh, uh, that's kind of what started it. And I knew that the music industry was going to change because the, the internet. Yeah. And when the internet happened, everybody started printing out music, so they didn't really need to buy it from me, particularly. So I saw them right on the wall and said, gee, what can I do? I'm a good salesperson. I love wine. At least I love wine. So that's literally what I did. I, I started with a, uh, working in a retail shop chain here in Florida. Right. And uh, worked my way through that. My last job there was uh, the regional sales manager for the company. And then left that into distribution, and that's where I am now. Did you feel that you just weren't exposed to a lot of wine in Florida, or did you just not have any sort of knowledge of it until that meal? Um, I would probably go. I really didn't have the exposure from very young. <laughs> I joke <laughs> when I was, uh, I'm, I'm Jewish, so when I was in Temple, when I was a kid, you know, they used to have Manischewitz yeah. uh, on a table. <laughs> sponge cake and like a bunch of us at 10 all decided hey let's go back there and see if we can you know how many we can quickly drink uh-huh. and I think I drank about six got sick got really busy uh-huh. and I was like okay that's it for wine okay we'll be busy uh-huh. we'll that if it was Manischewitz it was probably the sugar <laughs> yeah I don't that, know. that's what it was my system, my my ten year old uh, seventy pound, sixty pound system. Yeah. Actually. And that was it. But yeah, I, I didn't have the exposure. I didn't have really didn't. I don't know. I didn't have. I was more like a beer and maybe like an extreme kind of guy yeah. uh, all the way through in college and all that kind of stuff. So really, in in, in essence, wine was not a uh, was not even on my radar. Right. You know? So do you feel like you're like part of your? Um... <laughs> job is, you know, educating people and exposing people to all the different styles and countries and Absolutely. the great things Absolutely. about them. To me, it is all about the education. Yeah. Um, that's why what I think the idea behind, the idea behind doing a, a podcast like yourself was, you know, I saw Gary Vaynerchuk 10 years ago and I said, okay, so I'm, I'm a fellow, I'm a New Yorker, he's a New Jersey and Jersey guy and, you know, very in your face. That was his. his I can't. Uh, I shouldn't say this. I can't stand. <laughs> I can't watch him. People either love him or hate him, but I mean, gotta give him credit. He's oh yeah, him. no, he's he works hard and who, and reaches yeah. a lot of people. Who is he for for everyone out there who doesn't who might not know? Uh, so, you're asking me. Or whoever, yeah, Sue. Yeah, Gary Vaynerchuk. I mean, basically started. Uh, well, he his his father started. They were refugees from. Uh, Russia, 
and he started Wine Library. His father opened up a, a, a store, a wine uh, spirit store in a wine library in New Jersey, and he as a kid kind of worked in it in the back, you know, whatever he could do at 10 or 12. But the story goes that he was a good salesperson. Uh, he had sold, um, uh, he, you know, baseball cards and all that stuff and had gone to conventions and, and made tens of thousands of dollars on it. So he knew how to be a salesperson. And the, obviously he couldn't sell wine at 12, 13, 14, 15. But what he did was he'd always heard that people um, were saying, hey, you know, it's got that earthy tone to it. Or so he'd go out and he would, you know, literally like eat dirt or he'd eat mushrooms <laughs> or he'd eat whatever it is that they were dis- the descriptors. <laughs> and he would learn how to his palate, train his palate that way. Um, so that when he could drink wine, you know, he knew exactly what somebody tasted like. Anyway, then you skip forward and, and he, he did a uh, show from the back of, or in the stock room of Wine Library. And the rest is history. And, you know, he's very loud and very in your face, very much like a New Jerseyan, you know, like, you know, telling you everything uh, passionately. I just really like, and, the first time I discovered him, my friend yeah. was like, oh, this guy has a, a YouTube wine show. So I started watching from, like, the beginning and... I, I don't know, I made it through a fair amount of videos, but he made all these predictions, like, he's like, mark my words, in two years, everything will be screw cap, and I was just sitting there laughing, because it was, he made a lot of predictions, that he's like, mark my words, this is the way it is, and I, I love his confidence, but I was like, you're wrong, okay, sorry, I will stop hating on Gary Vaynerchuk, <laughs> I'm gonna ruin myself if I do this. I mean, I give him a lot of credit, like, he yeah. knew how to do what he does. Well, I'll tell you this, you know, as Jackie Chan is to Bruce Lee, that's the way my approach was to his approach. So his approach was in your face, loud, you know, kind of uh, quick, fast, asking questions of his guests, uh, all, you know, almost talking over them, like almost not waiting for the answer. Yeah. Um, it was just the opposite. And, you're, to be, and you're Bruce Lee? Yeah. yeah. I wanted to be slow. I wanted to you know, take time with people. Ask, ask questions, ask questions that nobody would ask them. Yeah. That was the idea behind my podcast. So really the whole the podcast came out of seeing Gary Vaynerchuk and going, hmm, I can do that. And be better. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to do exactly I'm going to do a podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do, you know, video. And I'm, you know, I'm going to be the Yang that is Yang. I'm just going to be totally different. I like it. And, Love it. Yeah, and that was it nine years ago. And, and 135 podcasts hours later, um, I have... I've had on, you know, some of the really well-known people in the industry. I've been lucky enough, I should say. I've had some celebrities who were tied to wine. I've had some sports industry people who've been tied to wine. I was uh, jealous of your Opus One recording. I'm like, well, that's a nice wine to sip with someone on Skype. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Michael Flachey, that was actually the second time. He's been been on twice. I've been, again, very fortunate, I have to say, in doing a podcast where I've had the ability to have on people who are willing to come on. And I, you know, really the bottom line is this. When I worked in, in retail, I, you know, I was always like the go-getter, and I wanted to win contests, any contest I could win. And there was a contest that sent uh, the winner out to Napa. And I'd never been to Napa before. And I said, okay, I'm winning that. Just said it, put it out there, told everybody in the chain. I was, you know, I only worked for the company like, like a year. <laughs> and, I did. and they were like, oh, that's nice. That's good. Okay. Yeah, that's right. cute. And it, right, and I was like, okay, don't hate when I win it. Uh-huh. And I won it. And they, they send me out to, 
and I stayed at White Hole Lane. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them, but they're a really great winemaker. Vineyard off of uh, off of the insane lane of Polina. Um, yeah. Right, right off the main drag. Uh-huh. And, um, uh, in staying there, um, I had met the, the winemakers. And the other thing was, when we went on tours, when you took a tour, most people would go through a tour and then they dump you up into the, you know, the store or the shop where you can buy stuff, right? And my thought was, okay, I don't want to be the guy that's constantly asking, raising my hand, let me ask a question, let me ask a question. Oh, wait, let me ask you a question. I looked at that guy as, that guy's annoying. talking to so many winemakers, do you feel like you ever want to make your own? experience when you've interacted with Master Sums? Some. Not, not, not all. I mean, just some. 
have said that. I thought I thought it was kind of interesting. I'm not saying that it would dissuade me from learning, you know. Um, and, and that's not, that is something that I'm going to continue to do and, and, and try to to further my my education in, uh, in you know why. But uh, I found them very fascinating at doing that, which is really weird. It was like they were going, you know, I see where the winemaker went with this. What's the uh, closest wine region to where you're at? Virginia? Yeah, yeah. South Florida actually has uh, uh, vineyards. Really? If you, you, yeah, if you know, uh, there are vineyards probably in every state. There are. There are yeah. Even in Alaska, I think they have yeah. a couple. How is, how is Florida, uh, Floridian wine? Uh, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> Pregnant pause. Uh. Uh. That's okay. What are they growing? Yeah, what are they growing? It's a lot of fruit. You know, they do like things with coconut. Oh. Yeah. Auto. Blueberry. You know, what's indigenous to what they grow. Yeah, tropical. So I'm not super impressed with it. It would be something I'd go, probably, hey, you know. But, you know, anybody has to, I think they make a good effort. Yeah. Do you have a, a. someone were like you have to pick a favorite wine region what would you what would you go with well I'll tell you it, 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 it involves and changes with me always so if I had if, if you're asking me now probably one of my favorite big wines I've been drinking and t- tasting from different regions is Cap Rock and oh. I, one thing that I've noticed here's what I've got this is my assessment that French actually who I would go back to history and say other ones that first kind of grew it and, 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 and produced it, got it wet. I think they, they are, their taste, their style of Capron seems to be something that everybody else that I that I, I taste would aspire to, but they change it a little bit to make it their own. So California does it a little heavier. They're more heavy-handed with the fruit. I mean, that might just be our climate. <laughs> yeah, and it's also like California. I think California's tough to talk about in all one. I think California's too tough to talk about in all one generalization because Temecula is very different than the Sierra foothills, or yeah. so is Napa, or so is Russian River. You know, like it's. Yeah. We're kind of a gigantic state. <laughs> yeah. But I. I, 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 I see what, what you mean. Yeah, I get what you're yeah. saying. But yeah. Uh, I am a Francophile, so. Yeah. No, but like Cabernet Franc from the Sierra Foothills is actually delicious, I think. It's super light and minerally, but they don't get quite that earthiness you get. I have to say, I don't go for the pure, the green peppery kind of things so much, so I've actually had, I've liked more, oddly enough, because normally I tend to lean towards being uh, a French wine lover, I've had more Cabernet Francs I've liked from the U.S. than Chinon. Oh. I feel guilty about this. What about Bourgoy? You know, I don't know that I've had a lot of Burgoyne. Oh, it's delicious. <laughs> I need to get into Burgoyne. <laughs> get, get into some Burgoyne. Yeah, 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 you do. Uh, and I like it when it's in Bordeaux blends. Yeah. Oh, Sorry, what? I know, I didn't want to make it sound like, oh, you know, California inspires the taste. No, no, no. No, but uh, France is the original. Yeah, I just wanted to clear. I mean, like, because this California is such a giant state and has so many different cl- climates. Yeah, no, I said California is just such a big state and has so many, you know, different climates that are, you know. So would you pick the Loire as a, sort of a spiritual wine home for yourself? No, not necessarily. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I tend to... Or that's to what you're into right now. Yeah, you know, I mean, I lean more towards, not I lean more towards, but 
Gundy, I mean, and, and Pierre Noir, mm. um, as far as, if, if I had a universal wine that I like, um, I would have to say it would be, it would be Pinot Noir, and I think it has so many expressions. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, I have another, uh, Instagrammer question, actually, they have two for, for us, if we want to do that. Sure, okay. Um, so, Bexter319 had two questions, one which I assume is for you two, and one which I assume is for me. Um, the yeah. first question is boxers or briefs? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Sean folding laundry before, so but I'll let you guys answer that. <laughs> uh, well, Sean? Um, mostly briefs, but I do have a, a fair share of... I do have a couple pairs of boxers, but mostly briefs. She didn't give the option of boxer briefs, which, I mean, Ooh, I'll, I'll throw that out there as an option. I also have those. That would be me. <laughs> <laughs> I call them broxers. Broxers. <laughs> broxers. <laughs> it's sort of like a macho way of uh, like, broxers. It's a bra. It sounds better than, you know, boxer briefs. Broxers for rock stars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Help, sorry. <laughs> I was going to work through some puns. Yeah, so that was her question for the guys. The question that I'm assuming for me says, all-time greatest Cardinals player, which I'm like, Ozzy Smith, duh, the wizard. Really? Yeah. I mean, when I was little, I had a crush on Tommy Her, I think was his name, but but yeah, Ozzy Smith, greatest Cardinal, in my opinion. Him and his backflip across the field. I, you guys probably don't have a favorite cardinal because you're not St. Louisans, but uh, no. that's why I was like, I'm assuming she knows she's asking the St. Louisan that. Okay. But you guys can name from if you have a team, you could name your favorite player from. Do you have a team? Um, I did. I was like a, a Met fan, sadly enough. Oh, so you uh, hate me? Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 you know, years back, like Rusty Staub and you know, guys like that. You know, I'm talking like way back yeah. before you were born. Oh. So, yeah. So I'm thinking, you know, but truthfully, I don't, you know, I'm now in Florida and, you know, I watched the Marlins come about. Fair weather, I should say. Gotcha. Uh, I'm, I'm admitting that, you know. I'm not a huge baseball fan. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> I think feel you like were... anything I would say here would just be. I'm the a only. Lie. <laughs> the only baseball nut around. So, anyway, yeah. Bexter319, that's, that's your answer. There so you go, Bexter. Ozzy Smith for the win. You would, I mean, I'd see him when I was little and he'd always come out and do his backflip across the field. It was a cool thing. Yeah, he was a cool player. See, Sean, did you have more? So I'm curious what it's like to be a wine judge besides sitting beside uh, Master Songs who are looking for flaws. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, no, I, and I, I want to go out on, on, on the record and say the Master Songs that I that I sat with, and there's only a couple, I can say, um, were not really doing that. It wasn't really dead that I heard it from. Mm. So, you know, I want to put that on the record now. <laughs> but the, I, I really enjoy doing the American Fire Wine Competition. It's actually coming up in January. They do it every year around Martin Luther King's birthday. It's two days. We uh, get together at FIU, Florida International University. Uh, and we sample probably between seven and eight hundred wines over the course of two days. Uh, you know, almost every varietal, everything from you, know, you can think of, uh, that's made in the U.S., which is basically everything. Um, and I have to say, to me, every year 
is better. Uh, I find that it's interesting that wines from, you know, Florida, not Florida, but Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, New York, there's some incredible wines that are coming out. And, and of course, you know, we get the ones in California, Oregon, and so on. But uh, there are a lot of regions that are really starting, and I see become up and coming. Virginia, definitely. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to try it. Any Virginia wines, but they they're doing are. good things with Viognier. Yeah, I would like. Yeah, we, yeah. we feel like we tried one, or I I tried one at one point recently, but it's I rare. I, I would love to try more good. of their stuff. Yeah. Do you get more yeah. of them down in Florida? You're closer. Do you guys have when you rate the wines? Like in terms of like prizes to be won? Well, you have everything from, so a few examples of so Bouchard, the Lusab, and they'll do Rieslings, and they'll do Pinot Gris, you know, and other whites, they'll do Bordeaux. Um, and then, it, it, I, I'm just, and I'm really making it a very small list for you. It's, it's much, much more expanded than them. And they will. They'll have everything red from Bordeaux, Pinot, Cab, Cab Franc, uh, Syrah, Petit Syrah. Uh, so they do kind of break it out a little bit as well, in, in addition to keeping it, you know, the, the main varietals and other reds. So the, the other reds could be, you know, a variety of different things that you taste. What you do know when you, when you do that, I mean, I just give you a look a little bit. What we do know is not completely blindly tasting it, actually, we do know, you know, region. Uh-huh. That it comes from and general price range, uh, and, you know, and a varietal, like, okay, you're old females. But for the most part, we don't know anything as to who they, obviously who they are. Right. And, uh, and what I found is ones that you would think, there are, there are many wines that are in the, let's say, 25 to $50 range that were really impressive, extremely impressive in comparison to some of the ones that you, you know, kind of expect to be really good between 100 and 150, oh, wow. you know what I mean? So I find that, I've always said this, there are amazing wines at every price point yeah. that you consume out there. Um, you just have to look for it. I, yeah, I agree. I always tell people, you know, the amazing thing about wine is that there's so many varietals out there that you could literally go your whole life, taste wine every night, every day, whatever it may be, and never taste the same two wines twice. Yeah. There's enough out there that you can go that amount of time. So, you know, um, as uh, as real estate is location, 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 wine is taste, taste, taste. That's really it, you know, in a nutshell. That's my story I'm sticking to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. The more you taste, the more you know. Exactly. Or sometimes the more you taste, the more you're like, I don't know anything. <laughs> what? Well, like that. The more I find more I think I know, the, the less I really do. But that spurs me on to want to learn more. Oh, yeah. That's what I have been discovering in the last year or so. 
Have you, when you, do you do independent study, or have you been doing one of the programs of study, or how do you uh, pursue learning more? Um, I'm going to, uh, I, I have started, I should say. This is, this has not been, this, this is an exclusive for you guys. Oh. <laughs> ooh, yeah. ooh. Beep, 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 beep. Breaking news. Breaking news. A crawl at the bottom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> alert, alert, alert. Breaking news from Stu. Um, yeah, I just started the uh, WSET oh, great. two program. Yeah, um, nice. Get uh, into it. Certification, and then I'll, I'll move forward to like level three. Um, that's uh, I don't know if I necessarily want to be an educator or go for the whole diploma, the diploma program. I don't I, know. I mean, you know, we'll see. I just started but, the diploma. It's a commitment. <laughs> yes, but uh, they really do. I think they really do give you a wide amount of, of knowledge that, and, and they're definitely, the more they teach you, the more they sort of zoom in and zoom in, and the more you're like, wow, I don't know anything, so I, I endorse the programs. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, oh, I'm back. I just came back live. Okay. Yay. <laughs> Hi, live. Yeah, so, so um, the scoop that was given, you guys probably didn't hear it because I ended the live video because you didn't see me. Well, they have to. They have to subscribe to the wine situation. Then, so when we air your episode, then they'll get the exclusive. Exactly. Keep it exclusive. So, we won't tell you guys. We'll say. Should I, should I give that information out? Should I give that information out, or should I just tell people? You'll have to watch. You'll have to listen. Yeah. No, uh, Stu just told us how he started studying wine, and uh, you have to subscribe to the wine situation to find out. To so. find out. Thank you. Thank you. That's the. Uh, I, and subscribe I, to Sue if you don't already. Exactly. Get it all. But um, what I, you know, I did what I asked was, um, I'm taking it you guys are still part of the millennial age range. Barely. Barely. But you are. We're, we're elder millennials, as they call it. <laughs> okay, even if you're on the tail end of it, you're still a millennial, correct? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah. I think we're in the age range, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not angling to find out how old I'll take that. The reason why I'm saying it, the reason why I'm saying it is this. The amazing thing I'm finding with millennials is that they're so interested in new wines and finding out about regions and so forth. And the reason why I'm saying that is, in comparison to the baby boomers and older, yeah. they tend to be very stated old world and very, you know, set their ways. Living in Bordeaux and Napa? No, not technically living, but you know, drinking a yeah. lot of Whereas, whereas, you know, um, I, I, a lot of the millennials I meet are like, wow, okay, what is this? What am I drinking? You know? And I find it to be a really cool thing. I also think that the whole marketing programs and the whole marketing industry has changed because of the millennials, because of having a phone, being able to just go do this, what we're doing right now, which is, okay, um, I just tasted the Dry Creek 2015, and it's awesome, right? And... A millennial goes on their Instagram page or Snapchat or wherever, Twitter, and says, you guys have tried they've got to think, I don't know, a couple thousand followers. The potential for that is mind-blowing. And you, you could do that as a winemaker years and years ago prior to, you know, Twitter being available and everything else being available. You just you couldn't do that. So you immediately get a response. You immediately get a good, better, different as far as your wine goes. And... If you cater to the millennial, uh, your uh, chances of 
retail situation, uh, the shelf life is a lot longer because of that, because you take the time to, to cater to them. So just something that I've noticed, and I think it's pretty amazing, I think this whole medium that we're talking about, the things that we're doing right now, I've always marveled at it, even over the past nine years that I had done I mean, the podcast, I thought, to me, it's just, how is this possible? How is it possible that I would have somebody from China who would, you know, email or get into a chat room? It's how many hours different? Yeah, it's crazy. There, but they would get on and they would ask a question, let's say, of Michael Salachi, or they'd ask a question of a uh, uh, Maggie Enriquez of, of Crude. And they'd say, oh, you know, I tried Crude in uh, Russia, or I tried it here, and it was really amazing, and this is the question I want to ask. And you go, wait a minute, you're in yeah. Israel, mm-hmm. and it, it's about an hour different. What are you talking about? Like, yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> well, I have a few yeah. people I talk to over in England, oddly enough, and we'll have long Instagram conversations with each other, and I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> this is crazy. Right, isn't it? Yeah. I'm, I'm humbled by it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm humbled by the whole Technological advancement that I'm capable of doing. Yeah. You know? So, anyway. No, I, I think that's really interesting. I think that's interesting about the millennials. Um, and I, I do feel that the millennial generation is much more interested in wine and they're interested to try different varietals and try different styles and stuff. My only, like, drawback to that is that millennials and all that stuff can tend to be, can change their taste really quickly. And the problem is with wine is that it takes years yeah. for it to finally get to market. And there's no way to speed that up. So if you have a flip, like kind of a flippant sort of millennial that's like, now they don't like this wine anymore, it's too bad because now we have cases of it that uh-huh. we made a year ago when everyone loved it. So, and I see it a little bit in terms of like natural wine making. Mm. And like that's really like what's going to be interesting to see what happens in that regard is that the whole industry runs towards this. Yeah, Slight, slightly flawed, unfiltered, unfined, you know, skin contact, white wine, all this stuff. In how two years, how long will it be popular? So there's going to be a ton of it in two, probably three or four years. Yeah. And maybe the taste won't be there for it or the market won't be there, the supply, because then they'll be on to something else. They'll be like, oh my God, you know, what's actually really good is Cabernet Franc from Loire Valley. Yeah. <laughs> Just you know, like in that same way. So. Um, I agree with you. I think any interest in wine is great, and I love that people will go to the local wine shop and they'll talk to their, you know, the yeah. purveyor of the store and get, you know, feedback about what they should try, and they're more adventurous to try different things. That's super great. I just want to make like bridge the gap between the tradition of wine also with like the newness of it. Well, I'll tell you this. Here's here's a thought. If you go ten years back, there was a thing called the Sideways. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we've talked about that. Exactly. That's a great example. Everybody drink Merlot. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Totally. Over, inspected, over microscope. The truth of the matter is, is that you know people watch that movie, and it was really you have to think about it. They bridged the gap between wine uh, and the people in the know. Yeah, and yeah. He totally. Had the, the knowledge about it, and the average person, and they took a story. Yeah. And I basically was pretty much in the forefront. If you think about it, it was a third actor. Yeah. In the movie. You know, it was Paul Giamatti. I can't remember the, the name of the other uh, actor in it. Um, uh, Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah, 
Oedipus Don't wine. forget Sandra Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and Virginia Madsen. Okay, we got it. Okay, sorry, girl. But yes, uh, the, the LA, two. LA represents. Okay, yeah, no, the two white men were the stars. Though. Sorry, feminist high horse. Go on, <laughs> ignore me. The women were actually. It was all about men. That movie's about terrible men. That like, movie that, is about terrible men. Are awful. They're healthy. Watch that movie again. Those guys are awful. They people. are. They're, they're terrible people. He's cheating on his fucking wife. I know, it's the worst. The whole movie's about him and going to, like... his best friend's facilitating fuck it. Around. Yeah, they're all like, well, yeah, let's fuck around in wine country. If yeah. anything, as a female, you should watch that movie and be like, I'm gonna drink the shit out of some Merlot. Anyway, but, but <laughs> yes, people have... Yeah, that movie had... It had anyway, an effect. had a huge effect. I think we took the wrong turn... Sorry. <laughs> I'm really good at steering things away from where they're supposed to go. I think they'll agree with you. We're going to blow it a little sideways here. The idea of killing was that the effect of that was the vineyards that had Merlot wrecked out the Merlot and started planting in the water. So it was a direct effect. Yeah. And, and it did for three years for a while. And people, I, I think... Uh, and the strange thing is, as fickle as, let's say, the millennial is in tasting different wines, it's that effect, but very quick, in the sense that, you know, it took years for Merlot to come back, where Merlot was, you know, it's back at this point, people love Merlot, California Merlot, every type of Merlot, from, from France as well. Um, I feel like it still gets a glance of scans from a lot of people, though. Like... I don't know if its reputation has totally come back. Or just that people know to order Pinot Noir. Right. They feel like if if presented with the Merlot or Pinot Noir, people would probably pick the Pinot because they would think right. it should be. Because they think they're going to be looked down on if they pick the other one. Yeah. I think. Maybe. I don't Maybe, know. Maybe, I don't know. No, but, but the truth of the matter is, is that, is that uh, there was a fickle uh, response yeah. to, to Merlot and, and then and then Pinot Noir becoming what it became. It's not like Pinot Noir did not exist prior to that. That's the strange thing. Most people are like, really? Pinot Noir? It was like, did you just start growing it back in 2007? <laughs> You're like, it's called Burgundy, darlings. <laughs> You're like, it's just some of the most expensive wine in the world, yeah. that's all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. I'm going to give you three letters, and you'll just look this up. <laughs> R.C. Yeah. Yeah. Just check that. Yeah. What it's worth. Oh. Oh. That's what that is. Yeah. 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 So no, no. I just, I just think that that effect has been kind of accelerated per se. Right. A couple times over. With for today. Yeah. That's sort of the concern. Is like, will winemaking be able to keep up with uh, changing trends? Since Mm -hmm. since like. Trends change faster than people can make wine properly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question. What have you heard about white Pinot Noir? What's your thoughts on it? I've had plenty of good ones. German. It's a German thing. Yeah. That's pretty I mean, much. A lot of champagnes are basically like a Blanc de Noir. I feel like all the ones I see are from Germany. So I don't. I haven't tasted a lot of domestic white Pinot Noir. Yeah, me neither. How about you? But point you doing I don't know that we are. Not really. I think, I feel like the fruit gets pretty ripe here, so it's hard to, you know, I mean, I think it's part... It's hard to make a high acid white out of Pinot Noir. Exactly. It works in Germany because it gets it's so cold. I feel like they could do it in Oregon. They could probably do it in Oregon, yeah. Yeah. Washington. 
But I wonder or if even it, like Senorita Hills, they might Washington. be cool enough. Oh, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I like. Oh, I like I've it. I've had though. it. What, what's your thoughts? And you know, I haven't had it yet. That's really oh. Cool. I was just curious. I was going to ask you a question. You know, you guys of it and become the interviewer. You oh. I feel like I've seen a fair amount of it in the last year or so. Yeah, I like mean, it, it pops up, pops up more, more frequent. I mean, yeah, definitely at Colville, we pretty much have one at least or a couple. So let me ask you guys a question: Without uh, excluding somebody that a friend of yours or many friends of yours, uh, and I don't want to get you guys in trouble. <laughs> but oh, we live on danger here, so <laughs> danger is your middle name. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so 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 what? California wise, do you guys like? Um, I am a huge fan. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna put the camera on you guys. Now. Oh, hi. Um, shout out to Dragonette. Uh, I'm a member. They're in uh, Santa Barbara. They do a lot of uh, pretty amazing uh, Pinot Noirs. They get like that great sea breeze there that cools things down. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Dragonette. I like Duxer Crossing up in Sonoma. They do some great Dry Creek. Uh, Dry Creek Valley Zins. Um, those are two of my favorites. Uh, I've been drinking a lot of Cab in the last month for something I'm writing, so shout out to Vingay. <laughs> they're expensive, but they're yummy. A lot of people who know me are like, really, you like that? Because they know me to like more European style. And I'm like, yeah, that's good wine. Uh, I don't know. What about you? Um, some of my favorites are uh, William Salyam from Russian River, Pinot Noir. Mm. It's pretty. It might be my favorite Pinot. I don't know that favorite. I've ever. Wait, have I had it? I don't know. I, we haven't had. It's kind of expensive too. Oh, I haven't had it yet. Yeah, I must. And then for Goals. Chardonnay and for White, um, Stony Brook. Sure, fantastic. I love it. Um, big fan of that. Uh, Corson for <laughs> for the Napa Cab version. I haven't had any of these. You gotta have some. Yeah, yeah. So Corson is really good. You guys know each other. <laughs> I mean, we, except for on the podcast, and I mean, I come into Covell, the wine bar he uh, works at, but I, I, we don't, like, get together and drink casually a lot, because our lives are so busy, we just So hectic, drink. so yeah. hectic. Um, I mean, we should, but, just for funsies, drink together someday. Well, these are all stuff, like, these are all, a lot of these wines I've gotten to try just because I'm from Northern yeah. California, so I've, when I'm up there and I'm doing, like, wine tours or things like that, it's not like I'm... Popping these wines yeah. all the time. It's you gotta try uh, Dutcher Dutcher Crossing. I know I've never had Dutcher. They do Crossing. a great Chardonnay too. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, I love. I, How did you guys meet to do your podcast? Um, I frequented the the bar that Sean. She came into my bar. I came into his bar a lot. I was stu- I was studying for W sets for blind tasting a lot. That that's my excuse. I I really came there frequently, but I came there a lot. And then I had this idea for a podcast. I'm like, hey, Sean, let's do a podcast. Because um, I also knew that he worked in comedy, and whenever we talk to each other about wine, I feel like we sort of are on the same boat. Totally, yeah. Length, yeah. So. Quick question: Do you guys do, do, you, do Sean? Do you do stand up, or Ella? Do you do stand up? No. No stand up, but you do storytelling. I do storytelling. I used to do a lot of uh, improv and sketch. A little less now, um, but yeah. Do you do stand up? <laughs> <laughs> I've done stand up before. I hate it. <laughs> That's an interesting question. I did. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I, I did it for a very brief moment out in California. Oh. Uh, I lived out in California for a while, about 30 years ago. Oh. And uh, in West L.A. 
Okay, yeah. Oh, That's wow. a good place to do it. Where yeah. did you ever go to the comedy store? Because it killed my soul just doing it twice. <laughs> no, no, I did. I did once. You got. I told me it very, very quick. So okay. It was very short. But I was in. The, I was a musician. I should say I was a musician. I am a musician. Uh, sing, but I also had played bass. Oh, cool. And um, one of my friends said, "Hey, you know, um, there is a comedy club opening up." Uh, and it, it didn't last, by the way, but it was like in the attic of a like uh, small little—I can't call it a diner because it was tiny. It was right next to the Wiltern Theater. So to give you an example, oh yeah, okay. it was a place called the Cosmic Cafe. Uh-huh. I doubt it was business thirty years ago. So, but uh, above that, in the attic, they were doing comedy. So they had people with guitars and they had people with you know, you know, live acts, but they, you know, it was tiny and. Uh, they had like you know the folding chairs. So the yeah. example that the people sat on. Oh, those and, um, little theaters still exist. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Okay, that's cool. But anyways, to make a long story short, they uh, they had almost like a gong show concept uh-huh. where yeah, where like you know if people had um, kind of like pots and uh, like a wooden spoon, <laughs> and if you know they didn't like you, they would just like okay. Oh, yeah. ouch. They had real comedians going up and, and actually performing. And I was watching, I was sitting there. I had already set up like, I don't know, 10 minutes, 5, 10 minutes of material. And I'm, uh, I'm watching these you know, comedians go up and I'm like, wow, these guys are hysterical. Nobody's gonging them. This is great. And then I realized I was like number four to go up. And I go up and I'm like, oh, wait, okay, they've been doing this for a while. Uh-huh. This is my first time doing it. So, um, I, uh, I had done some impressions, and I had done a few things, you know, talking about what was going on in politics 30 years ago, like Reagan and all that. Anyway, um, I finished up, and I, I just was, felt humiliated. I mean, I, I didn't get down, but it was just like, oh, wow, okay, this is, I don't know if this is going to be my future. <laughs> and I, I went up to the back, and there was one of the comedians who was watching me, and he goes, yeah, rough night, huh? Uh-huh. Goes, yeah. He goes, well, you know, we, we we all have had many of those, right? And oh, like, yeah. Well, not, that was my first night. He goes, what? <laughs> Keep doing it. I was like, really? <laughs> yeah. No, don't give up just because of that. So, anyway, so that was my, uh, that was really technically my first real stand-up um, uh, routine. And uh, that was, it, it was fun. It, the crazy thing is, I feel nervous walking up to the stage but once I get up there, it's like this calm comes over you. Yeah. And you feel because you know what you're going to do. The audience doesn't uh-huh. So you're comfortable in that, that feeling of, all right, you know, what's the worst that could happen? They yeah. don't laugh. All right, they don't laugh. I don't know if there's a different answer to this question, but it kind of brings us into our our, um, our main question, which is uh, just what's bringing you some joy in your life right now, other than stand up? <laughs> other than stand up in life. Other than stand up and wine, yeah. I love hosting wine tastings. Love doing them. It's my favorite thing to do. Cool. And um, it's like it's kind of like you know, I'll say a throwback to stand up in the sense that you have a, an audience there who all want to learn about what you're talking about, and just being able to talk to them the way we're talking is very matter of fact, very straightforward, injecting some humor, making life just light of things. And teaching people not to be afraid or intimidated about wine, uh, and that—that's that's really what I, 
dad, you know, my family and you know, my friends, all of them basically, and, and doing my work actually. I, I really love what I do. Right? To the point where I don't feel as if it's work, I don't feel as if it's a job. Yeah. I can do a venture every day. I meet new people every day. And, uh, you know, going to like restaurants and hotels. And, uh, the, I, the crazy thing is, being a salesperson, if you're a salesperson, you're always a salesperson. So in your mind, it's like, I walk in there, and the person doesn't know me from that. I walk out there, and they're buying wines for me. And we have a, now we have a relationship, and it's kind of cool. And, and, and what have happened in the span of maybe how long it takes, 15, 20 minutes, half an hour of time, just having them taste wines and enjoying it, that happens. It's, it's, it, you know, I, I don't want to sound crazy like it's magical. It's not magical, but it's, it's you know, it's kind of interesting that it happens that way. And I love it. I love the idea of not knowing what to expect. Okay, I know. That's it. That's what makes me happy. That's a really That's great awesome. mindset to have for life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because life is nothing but a, a, a lot, lot of people under- fear the unknown. It's yeah. a good idea to embrace it. It's true. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I always said? You know, instead of going from point A to point B to be successful, you reverse engineer. You start from B and you work way back. Oh. So you basically know what you want to do in life and where you want to be and what that looks like. And you just imagine that and work your way backwards to today. So I love that. I like it. <laughs> On that note, Stu, thank you so much thank for joining us. Thank you for being our guest. Via Skype. If you, we, yeah, well, yeah, we hope to have you out in um, L.A. Yeah, come you're out here, and visit. Come out and visit. When I come out, you know I will contact you guys. Please. Yeah. Please do. We'll have a drink. All right. Cheers. And if, you guys ever come, if you guys ever come to Miami, let me know. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I occasionally, once in a blue moon, make it to the uh, Palm Beach because my aunt's there, but it's been a while. Okay. But that's kind of far from... What? You ever make it... Uh, South Beach Wine Food Festival ever. I've never been. When is it? Uh-huh. <laughs> you should February. Oh, okay. February? I mean, I maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. I can I can pitch it to Delectable as a column topic. This is my new like goal in life is like get sent to places to write about them. Uh, oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Maybe. We will talk to you soon. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you, Thank you, Sean. Thank you. I just drink This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.